Good day, gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of The Scoop. Uh, what a weekend we've had. We've had so much rugby take place over Saturday. And obviously, most of you guys obviously watched a lot of it. My name is Pilar Betot. I'm the host of The Scoop Rugby Pod. I'm not by myself. I'm joined by the gentlemen that are very enthusiastic and can't wait for the World Cup. Uh, Ender, all the way from Ireland. We've got Vuyo. South African, but based in Russia. We've got Hugh Welshman, based in England. We've got Jade, all the way from Bloemfontein in South Africa. Gentlemen, welcome. I hope you guys have had a great weekend. Enda, how was your weekend? Very good, mate. Thanks. Uh, good, to, good to hear from you all. Um, yeah, a lot of rugby. It was an early start Saturday morning, especially for us in Ireland and the UK, it was a three thirty AM start, uh, yeah. which was always lovely. But yeah, it was a brilliant weekend of rugby. Awesome. Vuyo, how's it? How things in uh, Russia? Oh, good, brother. Oh, good. Just as uh, Ender said, too many early mornings this morning. <laughs> banyana, banyana. Yesterday, rugby. Yes, it's been rough, but yeah, all good. <laughs> Great. And uh, Hugh, the stats man, how are you doing? Good, thank you, mate. I'd like the boys. Um, woke up first thing Saturday morning, checking rugby results. The last thing I did mm. before I went to sleep on Saturday night was check <laughs> uh, rugby results. So it was a hell of a day. I've been watching highlights frantically all morning, trying to catch up on all the ones that I missed. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to bring you guys some something at least half insightful today. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Jade, how's the weather in Bloom? It's not cold anymore. It's not cold. It's warm. It's warm. Um, good weekend, guys. It was good. Good rugby. And then the trick today that we should actually make your wife upset when there's a day full of rugby. So she'd leave me in peace. So it's a big pick up that we can learn. Get silent treatment when there's rugby on TV. So yeah, try that next time. <laughs> Fair enough, gentlemen. Very good to hear that everyone is. Oh, 100%. Uh, we're going to go through quite a lot today. So we're going to go through some of the games that took place uh, on Saturday. And also then we're going to take some time to look at Group 1 of the World Cup. Uh, so there's a lot to discuss, uh, a lot to to get into, some detail. If you've got something more detailed, uh, Jade, you also wanted to chime in on uh, something related to more the, the international side of things. And yeah, we're going to start it off, I mean, with the All Blacks in Australia. Jade, your thoughts? All Blacks made numerous changes to their, to their side and uh, a bit rusty in that first half. Changes were made. I mean, they played. They started to be more comfortable. They started to go through more processes and more of their game plan in the second half, and it paid for, paid off for them. How do you see that uh, that game for you? Well, uh, you know, we've touched a lot on the All Blacks this past few weeks, and I mean, we've indicated who the drivers are. We know that Aaron Smith and Moanga are focal to this team. Um, they just, I think, lay down the marker in terms of who the starting team is. Um, and then, obviously, Aaron Smith is world-class. Mm-hmm. But I have to go on, and you have to give credit to Australia for the way they started. The way the Australia, the tight five, cleaned their trucks. You know, the yeah. way they they sped up the ball. The way they were able to shift, um, you know, the pillars of New Zealand. The um, Laulala, who was normally, um, you know, the pillar and, and at the ruck uh, where Lomax used to be uh, when yeah. he started. But the way they shifted them, getting off caps, getting, getting the offload through, and that came from speed of, speed of play. And well done um, to Australia. They started like a house on fire. Yeah. They looked very island-esque in that first 20 minutes. Um, similar to how Ireland punished New Zealand in the this series last year. Yeah. And it was similar to what Eddie Jones has been accustomed to. Um, mm. we, we, since the days of the Brumbies under Eddie Jones, you know, getting the ball out wide, um, not taking contact that much, but spreading the ball, getting meters. They looked very, very good for 40 minutes. I really thought they left two tries out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no way Take McDermott allows um, Odyssey Sevilla to keep him held up from the line. And, you know, that's, 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 there's no way he should have allowed that. But anyway, um, Australia looks like there's something coming on. Um, they need to work on that. New Zealand, uh, once Aaron Smith and Wonga came on, the game changed. Um, yeah. A few guys, few worrying points for New Zealand. A few guys had rocky, rocky performances. But yeah, I think before the game even started, Foster knew who his 33 is. Um, I think we 
if these two guys that stood out for New Zealand over the weekend was maybe Tupovai, his cameo from the bench, yeah. and Summer Pemifino looked okay. He looked decent. He looked at home at international rugby. But yeah, um, credit to Australia. Good performance. They should have won it. Um, they should have they let New Zealand off the hook there. They should have landed that uppercut and, you know, get, get New Zealand on the canvas. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Vuyo, there's a lot of debate going around with regards to the instability or state or the how stable um, Damien McKenzie was on Saturday. And obviously you've shared some of your uh, positive highlights from what you saw from Damien McKenzie regarding the forward pack, regarding the changes, regarding the comfortability. I mean, there were a lot of frailties within his game yesterday. Yes. I mean, there were, op- there were chance, there were times where he had numbers outside of him and he opted for the kick and some of his kicks were not contestable kicks as well, almost like giving possession away. But you had a different view towards this element. What are your thoughts? Okay, so, so yeah, before we delve into the stats and everything, just for me, there a couple of things that obviously went in into that game were maybe we can, I don't know if we're going to bed later, but we what I picked up, the speed of breakdown, um, the Australia getting continuity in terms of offloads, yeah. running hard. Um, so what I picked up with New Zealand defence, if you notice, the nine comes in a pillar. Mm. So which means... When the nine comes in a pillar, he's shifting the forward to go to post, and then the post is shifting the next defender, next defender. So, yeah. which is why New Zealand isn't coming off the line as hard as supposed to be. Well, in recent times, in, in rugby, in well, current rugby. So now, if you're getting forwards like Valentino running hard at that line, that's not coming off. You are bound to get momentum. And when you get momentum, which means the defense has to move backwards. And yeah. When the defense is moving backwards and your cleaners are getting there in time, the ball becomes quick. So that's one of the things that I've picked up in, in, in why New Zealand, I think, if, if I'm honest, they would need to change their defense structure. Yeah. But anyway, that's a debate for another day. Uh, when I look at this, when I look at um, uh, basically McKenzie, the, the stats that I've shared with you, uh, Scoop, was... Mackenzie only had one chance of attacking in that first half where he had more than two phases. Only one chance. The first one was when he kicked that ball after the six phases, after we won it from the, the New Zealand won it from the kickoff. Mm. Uh, they started attacking. And then they had a couple of phases, a couple of phases, and then my, uh, uh, Damon McKenzie did a chip kick, a nothing chip kick, which was marked from mm. the 22. So for me, if I look at this, his stats, basically, the guy didn't do himself favors. He kicked so badly. And whenever, and we know that New Zealand didn't have the ball in the first half. Yeah. And whenever New Zealand had the ball, Flip, he was bad, bad, bad. Like <laughs> he tried to do chip kicks. I mean, did you, I don't know if you guys remember that second cross kick he tried. Yeah. Uh, it was literally a two meter cross kick tried and he was charged down and, and Sam, Sam Whitelaw picked it up. He never did himself any favors. And the worst one for me, which is exactly when he got subbed, was when there was a turnover made, mm. that literally one pass to him, and he kicked it right in the middle of the pitch and it was caught. Yes. That is when he was subbed. That's when I knew that he was done. So if you look at McKenzie's game, out of overall, I mean, when, when New Zealand scored, I think it was uh, Stevenson who scored, was it the first try or second try? First try, yeah. When Stevens, first try when Stevenson scored. Uh, Mackenzie had a lot of touches in that move. Yeah. He had a lot of touches and he made the final pass. So, meaning that New Zealand was on the front foot and he was passing, he was directing play, he was doing well. And then the one thing that he did uh, after that, he made the last pass to, to score in the corner. And then literally... Uh, that's what the Mackenzie we know, like the, the kind of rugby that we know. Yeah. Like he's, he gets guys moving, he gets guys going forward. But the worst, like I said, his kicking game was probably the worst I've ever seen from any player <laughs> in that kind of level, especially at 10. Especially at 10. It almost reminds me of um, a couple of mistakes when uh, Lubok didn't have the greatest URC final and everyone was slating Lubok where he's not ready, he's not ready for the Bok uh, jersey and all of that. But anyway, just to cut it short... I think that's one of the things that I picked up about New Zealand, and I think, as I said, um, if if they if they are wanting to win the World Cup, I would honestly think about 
how the defense structure is working. Because as an attack coach, I would definitely be looking at South African attack coach. If you're looking at South Africa, the ball carriers, they'll be smiling at what they're getting because you're getting people sitting ducks. It's all sitting ducks. There's no one coming off the line. There's no one killing the space. So that's what I would think. No, fair enough. Uh, Ender and then Hugh after Ender. Yeah, I just have to agree with that, to be honest. Like the, the defense was definitely on the back foot and, the, and it was remarkable how much grounds, like it, it was crazy how much ground some of the Australians made on some of their carries. And yeah. that you could tell that the, the Allbacks just really weren't pressing up. And also then at, at rook time as well, the, the speed of ball, because the, because as Vio said, they were on the back foot, their, their rook speed was extremely quick and they were able to get the ball out wide very quickly. So that's definitely something they have to work on. And just touching on McKenzie as well, I, I really don't understand. I think he's, I think he's an absolutely brilliant player. I don't think he's a 10. I think he's a fullback. And I think he's obviously definitely going to World Cup for me anyway. Mm. And he's an impact player. But I don't really understand the obsession of putting him at, at 10 when you've got Moanga and you've got Barish, both who are ex- probably some of the best 10s in the world. I don't understand why they're insisting on having um, McKenzie at, as a backup option. I really don't don't get that. I think he's a 15 and he's a brilliant 15 at that as well. Mm. So for me, yeah, I just, I really don't, like, I know I'd agree, like, his, his kicking game was definitely poor yesterday, but I didn't, I did enjoy when he did have the ball when he was, you know, when it when it's loose or when it's, you know, when there's a loose kick or whatever and he makes those beautiful offloads or runs really excellent lines. But yeah. for me, he's best doing that at 15. So, I, like, he definitely won't be playing much, I don't think, at 10 at the World Cup. But, yeah, I don't get why, why they're going with him at 10. Yeah, fair enough. Hugh, and then maybe, Jade, you can give an answer to Ender. <laughs> yeah, so I was listening to a really interesting podcast that um, Kayla and S. Rugby were doing with Jamie Wall, the journalist, mm. um, about the New Zealand squads and what they expect for the World Cup and um, a lot of people in New Zealand it seems are a bit funny on this whole Mwanga Barrett 10-15 arrangement they've got and maybe the the reason that they want to play D-Mac as a 10 is because they know if they've got Barrett on the pitch they want to use him as a 15 so obviously New Zealand made I don't know exactly how many changes it was but it felt like you know, upwards of a dozen changes in, in this test compared to the previous test. So maybe they wanted to just hold on to that bit of continuity. Mm. But then, you know, arguing against that, they moved Jordan to 15, which it, if Jordan's going to be in the first team, which he is, and he's going to be on the wing, why not leave him on the wing? Because that by having Jordan at 15, they had to move Stevenson out to the wing. And he's been playing a fullback all year um, in Super Rugby. So... Yeah, I kind of agree with Ender a little bit. I can, I can see why they didn't want to say, because obviously if they're not playing Moanga, if they didn't want to start Moanga at 10, it's a choice between Barrett and DMAC, and they clearly want to play Barrett at 15, so they maybe don't want to undermine that. But yeah, um, I think it was just that lack of continuity in the team and the maybe, I mean, obviously they came away with the win in the end, but just the it was a bit... Too many changes, too many positional as well as um, personnel changes from the Kiwis in this one. Yeah, they did look a, a bit disorganised on attack. Yeah, Vuyo, you want to jump in? No, I just wanted to share on what you were talking about in terms of uh, Jordan 15 and Stevenson moving to 50 to 14. Uh, it's it's part of uh, New Zealand DNA rugby. Yeah. Uh, they've done that with Ben Smith, they've done it with Jody himself. Uh, so, uh, I think it, it, I don't know, they, they sort of have this idea that if we start you out on the wing, uh, then you get comfortable in professional, in like international rugby, mm. and then we can sort of move you back to your natural position, where it's not normally where you would play in your, in your club or franchise system. Yeah. It's something that they've done in the years. Uh, we, we tried out in sevens as well. We, when a young man is, is new in the system, we usually move him to wing. Let's say he's a centre, um, then we usually move him to wing, start him off at wing, let him get him comfortable, and then move him to obviously his natural uh, centre position. So it does, um, yeah, it does create a little bit of um, misunderstanding in terms of what is needed from you, especially when we say that when you make international rugby, you're supposed to be given the best chance in your best position. Mm. Well said, uh, Jade. 
I just want to close out on a New Zealand topic, and I agree fully with you. Um, I think this also stems back to 2009, where Peter de Villiers came in and, you know, retired the likes of Rokusoko and Sebevadu. So they went back to basics that they did with Wilson and Cullen, where both of them could play wing and 15, I think, in Osborne as well in that era. Mm. Um, it's, it's what they do. It's, uh, it's also to, to counter the eyeball um, and to counter the field game. That is why they tend to have a 14. They can play fullback. I mean, Dag and Ben Smith did it. But in terms of DMAC, guys, I think we're a little bit unfair on him. Because remember, Mwanga played the past two weeks with so many other decision makers inside of him and outside of him. He had Adam Smith next to him. He had Jordy Barrett next to him as well. Um, what decision makers, Bowden Barrett at the back. So we had four, three or four decision makers, you know, and guys that could help him in top spot, uh, in tough uh, situations. Whereas against Australia, um, it was him next to Christie with Anthony Brown next to him. He, had, he was the only kicking option or viable kicking option in that back line. So I think I feel for him. I think you had to give him a go and have Adam Smith and maybe Jordy next team where, you know, there's another ball and next team they could have helped him. But yeah, I think I feel sorry for DMAC in terms of that. But it's international rugby. You're playing yep. at the highest level. Guys are going to criticize you. Um, I do think DMAC goes to the World Cup. I still believe in him. I still believe he's at X Factor off the bench and I still believe he'll have a quality World Cup. No, fair enough, fair enough. Gentlemen, now to just give you an insight of obviously what's next in the topics. So we're going to look at Scotland versus France. So I want uh, our Euro- our European experts to jump in on this. And then obviously we'll add uh, some questions or add some value, obviously, into those conversations. And then look at Wales versus England. Obviously, Hugh, you'll be better suited for to take this one into the lead. And then Ireland versus Italy. Um, I'm sure Enda is pretty pleased with the result and Hugh is pretty pleased with the result against England and then look at the South African game against uh, Argentina in Argentina wearing those mint jerseys eh? um, so and uh, um, Scotland coming back from what 21-3 deficit at halftime to pulling it to pulling a rabbit out of the hat uh, to winning the game with 14 men against France I mean what are your thoughts of uh, Scotland I understand France uh, had mixed it up, obviously, with some of the key players, mixing it with some junior players and some first caps um, in the French uh, side as well. But, I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of the overall game that you saw between Scotland and France? This was classic Scotland for me, you know, going down, you know, putting in a real... Like, it was a game of two halves. Mm. They had a really, really poor first half. And then just, obviously, whatever Gregor said at halftime worked. Yeah, And they came out and they were a different side. So for me, and also just one very quick point, it is yet another example of red cards do not ruin games for me. Yeah. Like that, And I, I have to say, I love that decision, the way it went to a yellow. I really liked seeing how the bunker system worked. Yeah. And I think it was correctly applied then. And um, he was, yeah, permanently off it. But I have to say, yeah, it's just another example. I, I can't stand sometimes when you're on Twitter and you're watching games and people say that red cards ruin games. They don't. <laughs> And if you do get red carded, you deserve to be down to 14 players, in my opinion. But anyway, a debate for another day. But yeah, just another example of that for me. Um, it was the classic French play, I think, that like they were very good in counter-attack. They don't mm. play any any ball in their own half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very impressed with, with Scotland, in particular Darcy Graham on the wing. Um, he's been lighting it up in the URC all season as well. Last year, he's just an absolutely brilliant player. He's a game-changer for them. And yeah. it was really interesting with Russell. It was his first game as captain of Scotland uh, from 10. And he, I think he did a really good job. Mm. He's a very calm presence. I love, he's a player who plays with a smile on his, on his face. <laughs> and he was just, yeah, I liked, really liked his communication back. He's very clear, very short um, and concise um, in, in getting his messages across. And of course, he pulled out the, the crossfield kicks out of the bag as well, didn't he? So um, really good performance from him. And yeah, it just it, it, it to me it, it makes group you know it makes Ireland's group even more exciting now, knowing that Scotland are able to do this. Yeah, but Scotland are notoriously inconsistent, so we'll see what happens the next time <laughs> they play. But overall, I think a really good game to be honest as well. I want to say that a really really good game. Fair enough, Hugh. What are your thoughts between uh, what are your thoughts actually regarding the comeback from Scotland? Yeah, well, it's a, as someone who likes to view the game as stats, it's a bit of a it's such an outlier of a of a comeback that it's almost the kind of thing that if it was on a graph, I'd exclude it. You know, I've I surveyed fifty games during the week, the fifty most recent rugby games I could find, and found yeah. that um, out of those fifty games, only nine of them 
had a team come back from losing at half time to win. And in only one of them, so one out of 50 games, had a team come back from more than a score down at half time to win. And then here comes Scotland coming back from uh, 18 points down at half time to win. And then you yeah. had the Kiwis coming back from 14 down at half time to win. So I. I thought, oh, do I need to give up on this whole stats thing? <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, it's, it's a mad comeback that doesn't really happen. When I first saw that France team on paper, I thought, oh, okay, France have kind of chucked this because it was pretty much first choice Scotland mm. and then it was like third choice France. So I thought, oh, well, this is, is going to be a bit, bit of a non-event, this game. Yeah. But then obviously France ran away in the first half and it, it's so weird, you know, seeing these international level France sides play this expansive exciting running rugby because in the top 14 if you look at all the stats from the top 14 it's so slow it's so low scoring it's so all about brutality in the forwards mm. rather than backs making breaks from their own half it, it, it's such a it's such a juxtaposition to what you, you'd think of watching them at the domestic level I can't figure it out so from a stats point of view it was just a bizarre game and all I'd say is just just sit back and enjoy it. I don't think we'll see any games in the World Cup go like this. So no, fair enough. Fair classic enough. warm-up game. Uh, do you have any special or quite important moments that you saw for yourself within that game? Uh, not, not, not much of it's important, but uh, just commenting on the French-Italian type of uh, mentality. With the way they started the game, um, they always get when they start the game like that. They always get arrogant, mm. and they're not. They're not. They don't really fight it till the end. So for me, it was a perfect. It was like one of those where I'm. I'm saying again, they when, when if, if France win their first game of the World Cup, best for sure, it's gonna go downhill. Or even two games, it's gonna go downhill because they they they, they their mentality is always about. I want to prove people wrong. I want to prove people wrong. As soon as they do, they do it, and all of a sudden they go back. So for me, it was a it was a typical French uh, mindset. But uh, obviously, could be wrong. But I've I've played against France a couple of times in terms of uh, coaching and and playing. But um, yeah, but nothing more special except that uh, I love the way that uh, Scotland fought. Mm. I think. The one thing that Scotland's got, guys, it's it's uh, that loose trio. With regardless whoever says anything, they, Scotland's loose trio is always workhorses, workhorses, and I think that's one of the things that um, they've changed in their past rugby yeah. because they've had good backs, but they've never had a loose trio. But now in this generation that they have, they have a very good loose trio. Yeah, Jade, to close us off. Yeah, um, interesting thing that I noticed of the game on Saturday. Um, yesterday was when Darcy Graham removed his crown cap. The game changed. <laughs> but yeah, they were actually, you know what? If Scotland lost this game yesterday, it would have been more damage to them than France losing the game. Because yeah. let's be honest, guys, this is France's third team. And it just shows you from a sudden hemisphere perspective how for and how a French rugby crown on us. Yeah. Because we can name 15 players that wasn't there of France. And two years ago, you couldn't name 15 players in the French team. You didn't know who they were. So <laughs> it just shows you how much French rugby grew. From that French team, I think it's only maybe Waku and um, maybe maybe the, the reserve nine. Um, you know, that would be in the 23 or yeah. and Bamba as well, the two props. But... Other than that, it was a it was a mix and match French team. Yeah. Um, I don't think um, Gautier is having sleepless nights over that game yesterday. What they did in the first half, they pick up and drives, but you know they were they were solid. Yeah. However, to lose a game in international rugby, you know you, you need to review it. But French rugby has come far along, and for me, they're still favourites for this World Cup. <laughs> no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I thought they were quite direct as well in their play with those pick and goes. Uh, quite earlier on as well so yeah um lost it in the second half obviously but i mean at the end of the day like the two sides were quite vastly different uh french using almost their third side and uh scotland using their first team and then now hugh the most exciting game for you was at the principality stadium i mean where the first half jeez it was a bash, bash car crash situation, uh, point scoring f from the boot 
And then second half, Wales came out guns blazing and actually probably disappointed or um, what is the word I'm looking for? Well, a lot of people didn't expect them to win yesterday. And obviously they pulled off a very good win and a convincing win at that. What are your thoughts with uh, the Welsh side currently and obviously touching on the English side as well? Yeah, so I was in the stadium for this one, um, yeah. which was it was good fun. Um, I think what I liked best about the selection is in the past, Gatland has always had his first team and then like his other team. And whenever he's done like an other sort of team, he's always thrown everybody who was either a fringe player or a new cap on the pitch at the same time. Yeah. And it's gone predictably badly. In this, he didn't. So he, Costello had two caps already, but he was only really given junk minutes by Pivak. I wasn't <laughs> a fan of how Pivak treated Costello. But in this game, Gatlin's given him... Gareth Davis is obviously experienced and his club mate inside him. He's also got Lee Halfpenny taking some of the responsibility with the kicking, etc. Yeah. He was also his club mate behind him. He's got George North um, as well. So he, he gave Costello um, and Maxwell in, uh, in the inside centre jersey. He gave them the opportunity to perform. And he also made a point pre-game is, I've given the new caps a home game because he wanted these guys to succeed. And I think that's because he knows that post this World Cup, these are going to be his team probably going into the next World Cup as well, these guys. Yeah. So I think um, I, I was really happy with the selection. I think I was obviously pleased with Costello. I thought, just to declare my bias, he's like my favourite player. He plays for the <laughs> Scarlets and I love watching him play. Um, he didn't set the world alight in the game, but I thought he performed very well and I think he'll only get better the more minutes he gets. Um, similar to what Eddie Jones was saying about Carson Gordon. Yeah. Um, I think... Obviously, Jack Morgan was the man of the match. Um, since um, Tipperick retired, uh, unexpectedly, I've expected Jack Morgan to come in um, and fill that seven jersey. He's been playing mostly at six for Wales, but I think he'll be obviously the seven going forward. And he made that tremendous break off the back of Wainwright's brilliant offload from the yeah. crossfield kick um, to set up the first strike. And then he obviously sent Pearson, you know, all of the English media hyping Pearson up. Uh, <laughs> Coaches coming up with specific game plans to nullify Pearson in games. Well, I tell you what, Jack Morgan, I'm just going to shove him back 10 metres. How's that for nullifying? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so that was great. So I was really happy. I wasn't, you know, it's all about your expectations. I yeah. wasn't expecting a brilliant game. I was expecting uh, a, a warm-up, because um, it was, and I was expecting the new caps to see how they went. And generally, I was quite pleased. From an England point of view, you know, people say they ex didn't expect Wales to win. Yeah. I think people have massively overblown how bad Wales are going to be at this World Cup, including yes. Wales fans have done that. Um, and I think people, uh, I, I don't think people have appreciated how poor England are. Um, I was, I'm quite pleased that England lost, not just because England lost, so of course I'm pleased. Um, later on in the week, um, I've got a thread coming out where I'm going to stick the boot into England quite a bit and look at how they're completely failing to bring through any players who were able to perform at test level. I yeah. think they've got a whole World Cup window now where they've brought through um, Freddie Stewart, who was very good in that game because he's good in every game he plays. And Marcus Smith, arguably, is decent. I don't think he's as good as obviously the English think he is. Um, but apart from that, I don't think England have brought through any particularly good players for a good five years now. And, um, yeah, I think, obviously, Borthwick put out a team of maybes, mostly. And I think maybe not is the solution he's going to be at. We think the England squad for the World Cup has been leaked already. And, yeah, oh. not a lot of new caps are making it through. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, so I won't go on and on, but England are poor. England are very poor. Um, they didn't score a point in the second half. Yeah. No tries. Only England and Tonga failed to score a try this weekend. Yeah. So we'll say that England are the worst team in international rugby currently. Let's say that. <laughs> a bold statement. Jade, your thoughts on Gats's team yesterday? Uh, you know, I watched the game um, with one eye, obviously, on what Fiji, um, you know, they Wales playing against Fiji in, in the pools, and Fiji's yeah. a team that interests me a lot. But I saw the game and I think. Right, what's Gatlin going to do? Is we going to go back to Gatsball, you know, the trying to get a game into a, a real arm wrestle? And I looked at the backline, the Welsh backline, and I thought, okay, looks promising with Lee Three Simmet, and you, know, you still have Josh Adams and all of those guys, and Liam Williams, you know, off mm. Benny, 
they're all coming into the squad. Still, um, you know, North looks decent at 13. And then I look at the forwards and I'm like, okay, what am I going to get from this pack? Because I saw this pack getting demolished last year in South Africa. Jack Morgan stood out. And I thought, okay, where is, where is your Adam Wynn Jones? Where is your, your, your fighters in the squad? Where is your Warbot? And where is your Toro Pifatos? Because those were the guys up front, you know, that would carry this Welsh team and allow the Welsh to, to get a foothold into a game. And then once they get a foothold into the game, that's where Catelyn is at his best if he can turn the game into a real arm wrestle. And I think they're missing that. I think that is where they, up in front, they're missing, they're missing a little bit of those old wise heads um, that could dictate the tempo of the game, that could slow the game down, you know, that could give you a crucial turnover here or there, um, could stand up physically. They're all missing that. Mm. But I like what I saw against England. I like what I saw. I like the way they came back. I like the, the passion they showed. Um, I like the scrum off. Uh, uh, Davis, I like the scrum off. Um, the 10 looks a, prof, a prospect. Although I still think Gatlin, we, we need to know, is Gatlin going to come out and Gatlin going to show the other side of Wales or is he going to go back to what we know Gats is about is to get the game slower and get the arm wrestle out of a game. If he's going to do that, unfortunately, unfortunately you, I don't think he's have the squad to do that. But is he going to make the game faster? If he might play, you know, more expensive, you might have the players with it. He's in it with Adams, you know, to, to go a little bit further in the World Cup. But I think it's like crossroads in terms of your playing style at the moment uh, under Gats. Hmm. Interesting. Ender? One thing I just want to say about this game is that, uh, like, it was hilarious watching people's reactions about how poor the game was. Like, it's exactly what we expected. This is yeah. how both of these, these teams play. It's kick pressure, and you don't play any ball in your own half. Yeah. And look, like, even, like... England were absolutely atrocious. I mean, they they conceded 22 turnovers. They made 16 handling errors. Like it was like maybe they could spend less time in the gym and more more time working on their skills. I thought that was that was a really frustrating element of the game. Like I know it was you know it, it's an early season game or whatnot. It's only a warm up, but 16 handling errors for me from professionals was just was just crazy. Yeah, elementary. Um, but yeah, that's how they play, and that that's. That that's gone. That's England's Steve, like that's Steve Weatherick's uh, style. Like that, this is what we're going to get in the World Cup. It's not going to change. This is how they're going to play. It's going to be unpleasant to watch. Mm. Um, but like to be fair, like I'm I'm not completely against kicking. I mean, like if you look at all the best sides in the world, like France and New Zealand and Ireland, they all kick the ball an awful lot. But I guess it's the type of kicks. Um, but if you look at Kerr yesterday, he did make a lot of box kicks from the halfway line. But they were quite effective, to be honest, and they did regain the ball a lot. So, like, it's a, it is a good tactic, but for me, it only gets you so far. And England have absolutely no chance. But I think we'd all agree on that of winning the World Cup. But <laughs> based on their pool, they'll probably actually get out and potentially go a bit bit further than than we all might suspect. But yeah, unsurprising um, game, to be honest. It was poor, but delighted to see Wales win. I think I think we're as Hugh said. I think they're that we are going to be a little bit surprised with them at the World Cup. They are. Um, going to come out all guns blazing uh, and one thing is for certain as well looking at the body language of the players Wales wanted that more they absolutely wanted that more the, yeah. the English players seemed to be aloof to be honest they didn't seem overly interested for me anyway um, but yeah n- not overly surprised that the tactics aren't like that I think that that's what we should expect from both sides really like we all know what war and ball is um, <laughs> yeah. and that's what they're, they're going to do but it's quite effective uh, Vickers, your thoughts then uh, with the English and the Welsh game? Yeah, as I said, um, I tweeted, I think I tweeted in my home language as um, it's basically <laughs> it was the worst versus the worst or something like that. But anyway, uh, for me, it was literally like, I'm actually glad Wales put in so many points uh, in that game in the second half because... Had they not done that, then we would be saying something else about Wales. But uh, as Anders said, in international rugby, there is no way, guys, you can have 16 handling errors, especially, I think, about six or seven of those when in the 22. So mm. 22 visits, like six or seven knock-ons, you're like, what the hell is going on? As a coach, I would have been, I, we, we laughed about it with Upila and said, his name is Botrick from Naos because it doesn't make sense what he was doing last night. But anyway, um, look, I think I think um, for me, the Wales, I know Wales, the Wales are going to come as hard as they can. They're going to slow the game down. 
Gets' game is not going to change, Jake. Gets' game is not going to change. If you notice, first minute, he ripped the ball out of contact. It was a rip. That's their strategy. They kick to you the ball. They say, come to us. We're going to come and defend you. That's what's going to stick because that's what he knows, especially in that part of the world. Whereas, if you notice, he brought in the same um, mentality in uh, down south in New Zealand and he was found wanting. He yeah. didn't win a game like in, I think it was 0-8, 0-8. Uh, I, 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 he had to change his mentality for Chiefs to start actually winning because of what he was bringing. So, Gats is not going to change. He's going to be. He's going to bring the same. But luckily for us, uh, we 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 play. We played well. Uh, we know how to how to win them. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a tussle. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to get there. And I think for me, one thing I would love to see this coming weekend is is if Wales are going to change their team and England obviously changing their team to see if uh, it's going to be a better contest. Yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and then Ireland took on uh, Italy at home. Uh, Ender, uh, your thoughts with the Irish team that went out? Obviously not the full strength side, but I mean, uh, it, was, it wasn't it was quite a one-sided affair. But uh, Italy do have some, obviously, moments within that particular game where they actually put their hand up and actually tested the Welsh defence. But I mean... I mean, the Irish defence. What are your thoughts with the Irish side that came out, first of all, and then obviously the game plan that uh, transpired on the on the field? I think it was as predicted, to be honest, from Ireland. We, they, they kept their shape, which I really liked. Like the, the contrast between watching Ireland play and watching England, England play is, is crazy. So what I really liked from Ireland was, you know, they, they do set up with their, you know, their, their pods of three forwards and a back behind. Yeah. So you might see the nine going straight to, straight to a forward and he has multiple options. He might just, you know, pass it out the back or pass it to one of his forwards. Yeah. And I think it was Jay who mentioned this in one of the previous pods. The Irish forwards, when they take on the ball, they use their, their footwork to, to they don't just run into um, the opposition, they really try to use their feet to make ground. So it's, it's really enjoyable watching that. But they also, of course, like every good team in the world, they, they have a good kicking game. So it was Crowley's, I think it was his only as his second start for Ireland, but I thought he did a really good job. Uh, he controlled the game well and he did like a numerous times, both Casey and Crowley did put up Gary Owens when they were in the opposition half. And yeah. But they, they kicked them really high and they landed just outside. And the Italian twenty-two, and they and they went up for a couple of them, and did and did, did regain possession. Just really smart play. So when Ireland, like especially in that game, like I know it was like there were a couple of errors. It wasn't a complete performance, but they varied their game plan a lot, and that's what I really enjoy watching about top teams like yeah. Ireland. Just the variety in play, and it's not just kick bash. Like it's not just a pressure game. So yeah, I, but I think it was as expected. Um, there were a couple of people who went off injured, but I think. From what I heard from after the game, they, they should all be okay. It's nothing serious. It was Jacob Stockdale's first start in 25 months for Ireland. Mm. Um, so it was great to see him get a run out. I uh, thought he did really well. Um, but yeah, and, and also just, just touching on Italy, for me, I find them really frustrating to watch. I mean, I, I really do enjoy the way they play the game. They like to keep the ball alive. Uh, one thing which was noticeable um, in this game, uh, especially compared to previous games, they didn't seem to run the ball as much from their own twenty-two, yeah. um, as they as they have been in the past uh, few games leading up to this, which is great for from an Italian perspective because it's such a risky play. But they did hmm. do it a few times and they did get turned over. But I was glad to see them not do that. But but I have to say I was just really disappointed in them in that being their first, pretty much their first team. And like although yeah, like as I said, I really like how they play. They're just so frustrating. They. They don't respect the ball. Like they, they love throwing offloads, they love passing, but they don't. They're, they're not. They're, they give away so many turnovers. Yeah. Um. So it's, it, it can be incredibly. So I was really disappointed in the Italian performance. Um. I think it was as expected from Ireland. Um. And I, 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 I yeah. That th- those are my overall thoughts, really. But just, just very disappointed in in Italy's performance, and overall happy with Ireland as expected. No, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Vuyo Enders t- talks about, I mean, the typical style of play that we've seen from Crowley in the past years of 
wanting to play from their own 22 because I know Crowley had come out saying, hey, this is our style of play. We don't want to give away the ball because if we give away the ball, the teams run at us and our defensive patterns or systems are still not quite in place. I mean, you as a coach, in terms of that type of mentality or that type of approach to a game, yes, it's quite risky. Yes, it's paid off a few times. I mean, even yesterday's game, they didn't do it a lot, but when they did it, Ireland put them under pressure and Ireland actually forced a turnover in one of the instances in that game. I mean, what are your thoughts in, in terms of that particular structure of playing, running it out from your own 22? Look, I have, I have nothing against uh, um, what Carly said about in terms of how he wants to play. Mm. I think the most important is, is yeah, is understanding the level in which you are involved in and the, the and what what is needed. If he, if you're going to come up with, with that kind of mindset and that kind of uh, game plan against any other team, you you're going to find you're going to be in trouble. I mean, I could just have to my, all my plans ready, and then I'm saying to you, can't run at me. I even <laughs> have to put two players at the back in terms of after the kickoff. Yeah, and you would you would you would see that you want to run, and we would shut your space down. So it, it's a matter of I don't know for me. I would have, I would have never, obviously, gone out with that and said, um, "That's my style." But uh, if you look at, uh, as Anders said, uh, with 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 uh, Italy, obviously, it's Italy. They beat the Springboks. It was it was it. That was their rugby. And, uh, Highlight. They, for me, I don't think they have anything that we can pick from. Their pool of players that they can pick from is very limited. And even if they do pull out that one game uh, in in the World Cup, that will obviously shock everyone. It's just it, it's not going to go anywhere. So uh, for me, it's just it's just a matter of when I yesterday I didn't even watch the game. I watched watch the first ten minutes, and I was like, uh, I, I was over it because obviously the Springboks were about to start. Yeah. But um, but uh, well, I like what uh, Anna just said because I wanted to ask him if how did Crowley do. Because I still feel Johnny Sexton should be retired by now, but it's okay. Uh, but it's okay, right? So, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what Ireland has got in the in the next few weeks because obviously we have them in our pool, and uh, it will be good for us to 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 obviously take them on. No fair, Hugh. Your thoughts on the Irish and the Italians? So I was travelling back from Cardiff while this one was on and I have to say it wasn't the first one that I ran to to catch the highlights of. <laughs> um, no offence, Ender, but uh, I think Ireland versus Italy is easily the most boring international uh, game, even more so than uh, Springboks versus Argentina take two. Um, and uh, a World Cup warm-up with those two games, with those two teams is not what I, what I seek out in a rugby match. But... Um, yeah, I think just echoing what the guys said, you know, when is it going to click with Italy? You know, there's a lot of people, especially online, um, hype up Italy a lot and talk about where they're going and what they're building and things like, mm. oh, okay, but, are you, gonna, you know, obviously they beat Wales, so maybe I should shut up, but when, <laughs> when, when are they going to, when are they going to turn that into something material, you know? Um, yeah. I just get a bit frustrated from Ireland. Yeah, it's, it's, it's standard Ireland is what they always do. I think, um, I really like Crowley. I, I watched what he did, obviously, for um, um, Munster in that semi-final against Leinster. Um, and I think him coming through uh, over there, you got Costello at the Scarlets and then Leboc, who we'll talk about in a bit at the Stormers. I like these really young, exciting fly halves that the URC is producing. They're right at the beginning of their careers now. And I think we're going to be talking about these three guys for... For the, for the next World Cup cycle a lot, I think these guys are going to be wearing their international colours a lot. Mm. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Crowley fan and I think he's managed to achieve in a very short space of time um, something that um, the Burns brothers um, and... Um, what's the other guy name? Uh, oh, I've, I've gone blank. The guy who's played for, for Munster, Ender, help me out here. What's the, uh, the guy who's always injured? Joey Carberry. Carberry, Joey Carberry yeah. yeah. Um, thank you, mate. So I think he's he's managed to, in a very short space of time, cement himself as second choice behind Sexton. But of course, Jack Crowley has won the URC, which Johnny Sexton has never done. So there you go, something in his favour. <laughs> funny, funny. Uh, Jade, your thoughts on that game, and then we move on to the Springboks and Argentina. 
Yeah, I watched the game and it was interesting to see what how Torres would go at seven. You know, um, there's also this myth in, in Ireland what happens if uh, this African-born flanker, Josh van der Fleer, if he gets injured, what happens to Ireland? But yeah, um, it's, there's a lot He's of... This player, Josh van der Fleer, was actually Dutch. Yeah, but it's in South Africa. It's born in South Africa. <laughs> but anyway, it was also interesting to see how he goes. Um, well, one thing I can say about Ireland is they're well drilled. Come on, guys. First game in a few months, and they still look like, you know, a more or less a well-oiled machine. Mm. I, li- I like the squad. I like what they offer. I like the inside center. They played yesterday with McCloskey. I think he offers more than, than um, Robin Shaw. I think it's time to shift the baton over to him now um, and Ender. But, yeah, for me, Ireland, well-oiled machine. Um, Farrell knows what he's doing with the squad. They, what you see is what you get to them. You know what they're going to bring it to you. You can try and stop it. You just might not stop it because this team is, they are very, very good at what they do. Good. Italy, oh, Crowley, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like you said, if they're going to play an expansive game or just try and keep the ball away from the French and the All Blacks in the World Cup, they might get a few heavy scores against them. Um, they're going to need to learn to hustle and then hustle fast before this World Cup and maybe take a leaf out of Argentina's book to see the way Argentina hustled, um, you know, South Africa and Australia and New Zealand into results. I think that's the best chance. I don't think by playing expensive against France and New Zealand, I don't think it's going to help them much in this World Cup because they're going to play into their hands. Yeah. But yeah, good game. Good game. Uh, from Ireland's perspective, good start. They did what they should do with business as usual. No, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Jade, without going away, I'm going to keep it with you. Going back to now Argentina and the Springboks, I mean, we've dug deep, 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 Deeper and deeper and deeper, actually, within the Springbok setup, within the Springbok structures. I think we kind of understand what uh, Ninaba is trying to do. But key things now within that Springbok uh, performance yesterday, obviously, they made massive changes as well. I mean, are you happy with how Mani Libok managed that game? I mean, he looked very comfortable from my from my perspective. What are your thoughts in how his overall game has grown in leaps and bounds uh, throughout the season at international level? Very, very mature performance yesterday. I mean, goal kicking might have been, you know, a little bit of a Achilles heel yesterday, but I mean, a very, very good performance yesterday. The try of Kane and Moody is what Mani Lebok is all about, what mm. we can expect from him. Um, for me, I think we're having Damien Willemser, you know, at fullback, um, he helped him a lot, and also having the exit option of Andre Estres in the next team. Yeah. Um, you know, to exit ball where Andre would bash it up was very good. Um, good solo for him. I think for me, in terms of Mani Lebok, is the the argument is not there anymore, guys. Does he deserve to be a Bok? He is a spring Bok. He deserves it. For me now is how he can get that jersey from Pollard. And <laughs> that is important. Yeah. And that is what we need to notice. Can Manili Bok really put up his head and say, you know what, guys? I can win you this World Cup. Yeah. I can win this World Cup for South Africa. Forget what happened in the URC. I can be the man. And I pretty much think Lebok believes that. I think he knows he can be that man. Um, there's a difference between Pollard and Lebok. We know there is a difference, but I think it's just assessing the squad, what happens with the squad when Lebok is in there and what's the difference when Pollard is in there and, you know, making the right decision. But for me, this guy's ready at the national level. He is, you know, he's ready. He is there. Um, another quick thing from yesterday. Um, I know there was a lot of Bok barometer guys out there finalizing <laughs> the 33. Mm. Another guy that put his hand up yesterday was Kane and Moody. I think Mapimpi might have been sleepless nights now to go to the World Cup. Moody <laughs> had an awesome game yesterday. Uh, and beyond for e as well. So, yeah, I think there's a few more decisions to be made in that Bok team now. So, yeah, um, those two also had standouts and Jesse Creel as well. So, yeah, uh, solid, a good performance by the Bok sister. Uh, considering you know Argentina's not an easy place, Mitch uh, Mitch Max squad, um, Grievous, Andres game, a lot of passion and emotion, it's a little bit of a dodgy official, but yeah, um, it was a solid performance yesterday from the box. <clears throat> Vuyo, you don't agree that Mapimpi's number, Mapimpi's jersey, is on the line at this at this point? Look, you have to think. You have to think in terms of what the coaches who are coaching these guys are. 
these guys go for a tried and tested. They've never given, I mean, we complained last year, end of the year, to why they're giving more chances to players so we can have a better squad for 2023, a better performed, a better prepared squad. They've never done it in, 20, in, in the end of the year at all. And you trusted them to go and do it in the, in the World Cup. Guys, it's very simple. I tweeted about it. The three wings that are going, it's very simple. It's, uh, it's Chesman Kobe, it's uh, uh, Aaron, sir, and it's Mapimpi. Unfortunately, Moody must fly to, to, to France as a medical joker. Maybe then you will get a chance. Like, uh, was it Warwick in 2019 who was brought in late? Yeah. And now is the World Cup. Damien, 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 Damien. So, so yeah, yeah. So, it, uh, for me, I don't think uh, Moody's performance was good. It was good, yes. But it wasn't enough to, to, to say to him, look, you're going to the World Cup. I'll be very surprised, guys. I promise you, I'll be very, very surprised if he's taken. Because remember, unless Lucano is, Lucano's injury from last night isn't obviously what we think, what we, we thought it was a niggle, but it's not. Yeah. Unless that's the case. But, but I don't see, I don't see Modi going. Um, just to touch on, obviously, I know you asked me a scoop about the, just the, that comment, but just to touch on the Springboks for me. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed with the Springboks, when they have more ball in hand and they trust, uh, uh, Mani Libok and the, obviously the game drivers, what they call it, uh, the, to do the job. Uh, Springboks tend to to gain a lot more favour in the games because that's what they've did. They've done in New Zealand in the second half. That's what they've done in Argentina now in this last game yesterday. Yeah. So I feel I feel like it's a it's a lot more it's a lot more comfortable when they have ball in hand. And I wish I wish for them it it doesn't become about the World Cup. It becomes about how can we perfect our game. Yes. Um. In terms of uh, in terms of bad play. Mm. I thought uh, Andre Esterhazen was uh, brilliant. The move for Andre Esterhazen to move to Europe, his ball skills have changed completely. Guys, I've coached Andre at, uh, he was 18, uh, 17, big boy, likes to just take the ball, tuck it in under the shoulders. I mean, that, that pass to Lebok for the cross for Moody to score is exactly why he needed to move to Europe. Mm. His game has changed completely. I'm, I'm so much in favor now of him. And then if I look at, um, and then if I look at, uh, guys, 440, Mostek. No, man, come on. He needs to move back to lock. I think, I think this trial is done now. This trial is done. I would rather actually see, want to see Evan Ross. Okay, Evan is a bit lazy, but I would like to see someone else go to seven as an option for Peter Steph to toy. Elrich Low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Elrich is proper. I mean, I've, co- I've also coached Elrich, luckily for me. Uh, he's proper. He's a proper kid. He'll, he's played seven for us at the Kings. He's played eight for us at the Kings. Mm. And we actually was the one, we said to Jake, listen, if you don't take this kid now, you're going to miss out because the Kings are closing down. And he literally snapped him up and look at where Elder Flow is. I think he's one of the best players you can find. He's in terms of, uh, just the seven and eight role. Mm. He slots in easily. And, uh, and also looking at Argentina, uh, the, the, the errors, they just kept on piling and piling. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate because I was kind of hoping for a close game because I wanted to see Trevor Nya kind of being pushed. I wanted to see Pressure, uh, yeah. Money in the Pop being pushed. I wanted to see I want the, the guys that we know that they don't finish games. I wanted to see them being in, uh, being in a tough position and obviously get over the hurdle so that we know that, okay, now we're giving headache to the coaches uh, going into the Tuesday announcement. Mm. But also uh, talking on the Talking on this uh, box, maybe also we asked, I see fellows on the space, maybe a fellow can also share a couple of views. I mean, he's a former professional and country coaching. Yeah, fair enough. Jade, you wanted to jump in there on the Elrich yeah, Low. I just wanted to, I just, yeah, I wanted to touch on, on, on Sos, on, yeah. on Moster. Moster. I mean, he doesn't make a box squad in, at lock. For me, he doesn't make the box squad. He doesn't do it at flank as well. What's his role in the squad? He's work rate. He's not better than Peter Steph. He's not better than Ori, Klein, Ergia, Luot, or um, Itzabeth on, on concurrent form. He's playing in Japan. I think if there's one guy that you could really leave it down for this World Cup, it was, it's Mostert. I really, I really, I, I, I don't get what this guy's role is at seven. I really don't get it. So you would be surprised if they picked him for the World Cup? Uh, no, no, no. You wouldn't? He'll go. 
He's going. But I think John Luke, the Prior, um, Irish Low, I know he had a quiet season this year. Even my man, um, you know, they parted for four or five nights up the URC last year. Daimani <laughs> at seven is a better option, Oof. you know, than, 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 than Mustard. I really, I, I don't believe it. And at Lock for me, nah, I, I, guys, I, I really, he had a good season at the Lions, but that was, for me, he's not, I, he's not in that class, you know, that, that World Cup class or that class at the box they have at Lock or at Flank. I, I'm sorry, I, I mm. can't pick a guy on what great alone. No, fair enough. Thelo, TP. You want to join, chime in on this conversation? Share your thoughts, mate. Um, gentlemen, um, I think just the one thing I want to jump on is is what Uncle Vuyo said with regards to, I think the only team over the weekend and, and this far that actually really got a test out to their players was the All Blacks. Being able to come back from from that part, I beg your pardon, there was another test match. Um, but there's only two sides in this, in this whole week and that were able to test their depth in terms of making sure that the players have that, that mental and emotional capacity to finish off a game, even though coming coming from behind. And I think what Vuyo is saying is, you know, what ideally we would have wanted yesterday with the Springboks, where they had to be behind by like five, six points, and then you could test the metal of, of the guys. Because obviously being ahead with the type of momentum that the Springboks generated mm. is quite easy. But being behind is, is a totally different factor. And I think that's where... It will be make or break for a lot of teams um, going forward. I mean, you look back at the All Blacks team, um, 2011, 24, 2015. Those guys had a couple of games where they where they came from behind. So that belief, mm. um, that that mental strength, that emotional stability that they had um, amongst the squad, you know, to to have that faith that they'll always be able to pull pull games out there. You know, you need that going into a World Cup. Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent TV. Uh Enda and Hugh, you guys are pretty much quiet on this particular conversation. Uh share your thoughts if you actually did watch uh, the Argentina Springbok game. Uh we'll start off with you, Enda. So unfortunately the game was on um at the same time as the Irish game, yeah, which is incredibly yeah. frustrating. But I did kind of have it on, on another screen and, and look to be honest, yeah, I just want to touch on, on Manny in the block uh Lebok, sorry. Uh, I think Jay made a great point. He is now for me pushing Pollard. Um, for that starting berth, I'm really glad to see him play, and and I did see that clip of him making that crossfield kick. Nice, yeah. Maybe, which is just textbook, uh, Manny Leboc. I still think for me, he probably doesn't start. I think Pollard starts because that's how the I think Pollard suits um, South Africa's game plan more. But but Leboc is that player that you can bring on who can absolutely change a game. He can make a break himself, or he'll put somebody else into space, or, or make a fantastic crossfield like he did. Yesterday, um, and I, I think I agree with Vuyo just on Mapimpi. I think Mapimpi will go. You have to look at his experience. I think Moody did really well, and it's going to be really harsh if he doesn't make the squad. But I think you know you have to look at the selectors, and they tend to be, they can they tend to go on, on on who they picked previously. And Mapimpi for me will go. Um, and yeah, just a bit disappointed in the Argentina as well. The amount of bloody penalties they gave away was incredibly frustrating. But I think they are building and it's checking and, and I think they will do a, a decent job at, at the World Cup. Um, which I, that, that, that's it for me, really. Fair enough. Hugh, and then Vio, you can close it off. Yeah, uh, again, I didn't get to catch this one live. Um, but I think from an Argentinian point of view, um, I still don't think they've solved their inside centre issue. Um, Coco Barres had to go off injured after two minutes I've seen and then Moroni yeah. came on and I think Checker very much wants Moroni to be a 13 um, and I, again a bit similar to Italy, Italy. They're, they're playing their first choice team every game or close to their first choice team in every game but the results aren't coming mm. um, so you, you wonder you know, how good is this team really how good are these players I think they're very fortunate with the group they've got I think their big games in their group are obviously going to be England. And then probably looking at how the uh, Pacific Nations Cup has gone, probably yeah. Samoa is going to be their next biggest test. And I think that is a decent step down. So I, I do expect them to get out of their group. But yeah, um, I don't, I just, I'm struggling to wonder where their confidence is really, because, just because they're losing all the time. Yeah. I think from a South African point of view, I think it was good to see for them to sit at 15 rather than 10. I think he's much more suited there. I just wonder, you know, if your first choice combination is uh, Pollard and... Um, uh, oh, I've got mine back again. Willie LaRue. Oh, really? Um, yeah. 
then I just wonder if, if Le Boc and Villemsir is just so different to that, whether that's going to, if you have an injury, whether the, the difference in how they like to play the game is going to cause you issues and it's going to unsettle that previously settled team. I don't know. Hmm. That's a fair uh, and very... I'm curious about that combination as well. Now that you mention it, Vili versus Vili and Pollard versus Libok and Willemse, ten fifteen combo. Interesting. Vuyo, uh, you wanted to that's chime the, in? Yeah, that's the combination against Romania, bro. So let's not complicate <laughs> things. Uh, I think, I think for for Ender, just uh, just to give you what we see. I mean, you know, South Africa is gonna with the six two split. It's standard. So. Damon Williams has got the 23 jersey and the 20, the 22 jersey is going to go to a scrum off, which is going to be a special scrum off. But, but other than that, Lipok is brave. If Le, I mean, Lipok is going to go to the World Cup. The only thing is that he's going to start one game against Romania and that's it. I'll, unless against Tonga, we go with a 5-3 split and then maybe he might be in the mix. But there's no... South Africans, the, 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 what the coaches have told us previously is that we go with the tried and tested and we stick to the plan. So plan A is to plan A, and then plan B is to push plan A, and then plan C is to push plan A. So it's pretty simple. Lebok, if, if Lebok is going to the World Cup, he's going to start one game. Otherwise, he's not going to be in the team for the rest of the tournament. Interesting, interesting. All right, gentlemen, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up now with the look at Pool A uh, of the World Cup. So I'm gonna start off with the guys uh, from left to right, actually. So it's Ender, Vuyo, Hugh, Jade, and then TP. So Pool A, we've got France, Italy, Namibia, New Zealand, Uruguay. Uh, I want you to share your thoughts and Ender on the group, and then who makes it out that group. I think this is it. This one's pretty clear. It, going on, it, it's all between who, who will come out on top. We all know it's going to be the All Blacks in France coming out. Italy, I don't see them. They, they, they will not beat France or the All Blacks. They, they might put in a, a solid first half against one of them, mm -hmm. um, which is what they tend to do in the Six Nations. They'll put in a, a good first half and then they just fall away. Um, in the second, so it's clear for me who's coming out on top. Yeah, All Blacks in France. In terms of who comes out on, on actual top, though, I, I, yeah, form, who's number one and two? All Blacks, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they're based on form. It could be the All Blacks. But France are playing at a home World Cup. So, like, it's completely 50 50. Who knows? Italy, yeah, Italy, they're not making another group. It's it's very unfortunate for them that that's their group. I mean, it's probably yeah. a group of death for them. Um, so, there, yeah, and I think that's it. And then. Wooden Spoon? Wooden Spoon, Namib I, probably Namib Namibia. I think I haven't seen enough uh, of Uruguay. Um, but looking up based on previous performance, I would say that Namibia. But yeah, who knows? It's impossible to predict who's going to come out on top, but we all know who's coming out of this group. <laughs> Fair enough. Vuyo? Uh, sorry, guys. Um, so for me, it's pretty simple. As Anders said, I think it's very simple. France, New Zealand, top. I would go with actually, I wanted to think about 2007, but I said to myself, no, because 2007, <laughs> France started the first game against Argentina and they lost at home. Yeah. So, yeah, so I will, I will, I will go New Zealand top the pool and over to France second. And then over to Wooden Spoon is Namibia because I mean, they got, they lost to Uruguay recently. They lost, they got pumped actually. Mm. Um, and then, and then obviously Italy. Italy is going to win all three. So, so basically, if you look at, if you go to the World Rugby app, the World Cup app, you look at how it's standing. That's mm. exactly how it's going to finish. Oh, heavy, heavy, heavy. <laughs> you? Yeah, I guess, um, as we said, um, so Uruguay and Namibia played each other last night um, in our time, and uh, Uruguay came out 26-18 winners. Mm -hmm. Um, but that kind of puts a bit of gloss on it because Namibia scored very late on um, to, to kind of put some respectability on the scoreboard. For me, I think Uruguay are probably the best of the emerging nations, if we call them that. Mm. Um, so I expect them to, to finish second bottom. Namibia, sadly, you know, they go to every World Cup, but I don't think they've ever won a World Cup game. Um, and I see that continuing. Mm. And yeah, same, same as the other guys. I think, 
I'll be tuning in to see Italy versus Uruguay for interest, but I don't, I don't think I'm not expecting a shock in that. I think I completely agree with you guys. You know, the, the finishing order in this one is the only question is who's top France or New Zealand. And I don't think it really matters who's top, to be honest, because I think that the route to the final, whether you finish top or bottom for those guys, is pretty much as difficult either way. Yeah, but who is your number one? Who is your number two? And your wooden spoon? Uh, oh, okay. So, wooden spoon <laughs> is Namibia. Um, the, the, the point that was made earlier about if France win it, then they'll think they've already got the tournament won um, is interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to go France. I think France uh, are at home, and that's what decides it for me. Fair enough. Jade? Uh, my top two, obviously, France, New Zealand. I'm going France to end top. Um, I think, I really think this is their World Cup. They're going to, for me, they, they're going to go far, if not win this World Cup. So I'll go France to win it, uh, to end top. But Italy can, there is a possibility. If Italy plays New Zealand the third game, New Zealand comes off a loss against France, Rotates the second game and plays Italy. There is that window of opportunity there. So, like Ender said, they can be competitive for 60 minutes. Mm. Maybe they can, you know, shock the world because it is a World Cup after all. Yeah. But can't go the other way. All Blacks backs against the walls. You know, how the All Blacks end up. The Wooden Spoon, I suspect Italy ends third. Wooden Spoon, Uruguay is going to end above Namibia. Uruguay might pick Italy as well. There could be a chance because, you know, Italy might just rotate players against Uruguay. Uruguay will be up for the Italy game. Yeah. They'll really target that game to win that game, you know. That's, and, I mean, the South American League is not terrible at the moment. It's actually a, a decent enough league. So I'm, I think Uruguay will target that game, but they'll end fourth. Namibia for me, guys. Matt Proudfoot, Alistair Kutsia. Oh, boys, they're going to catch hands this World Cup. They're <laughs> going to catch hands. Um, there isn't even, you know what, and I think TP can add to this. I mean, if you looked at our Curry Cup level in South Africa a few years ago, the last World Cup, there was about maybe 11 or 12 Namibian players playing in the Curry Cup. Now there's Zulch, maybe mm. one or two or three. So I don't know what's happening with yeah. Namibia. I don't, they, they're going to catch hands this World Cup. No, fair enough, fair enough. TP, your thoughts on that pool? Yeah, no, Namibia's going to catch it. Um, I don't know what Matt was thinking um, going, going all the way there. Um, I think Jade is very optimistic with the, with the Italy review, um, catching New Zealand off guard. I think that's a bit... Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of hate for, for the All Blacks there. Then, I don't know, I think France are under a lot of pressure. One, mm. it's, it's their own World Cup, and obviously they've... They've lost yesterday, even though it's not their strongest team. Yeah. Um, but now, time under the belt together, um, I think is going to catch them off guard against the All Blacks. All Blacks coming off a couple of games together and yeah. um, also on a big winning streak. So I'm going All Blacks in France and then yeah, Namibia to catch everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Gentlemen, we've come to the end of our installment. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. Thank you very much for actually watching the games and obviously doing some research and analysis as well. Very appreciated. Uh, we'll catch you guys again next week, thir- next week Sunday. Uh, next week Sunday, we're also going to discuss the internationals that take place on Saturday and then have a review of Pool B, the group of death. At the World Cup, very, very interesting what uh, will transpire in that group. There's been talks already. There's Scotland. There's Ireland. There's the Springboks. And hmm, guess what? There's Tonga. All right, gents. Have a great Sunday. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, fellas. Thank you.